In last week's episode, we talked about where to go next with your songwriting, specifically from a thematic standpoint or from a lyrical standpoint. So in this week's episode, we're going to talk about where to go next with your songwriting when it comes to your sound. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Adala. Honored that you would take some time out of your busy week to talk with me about songwriting. If you haven't already, be sure to check out my free guide, 10 Different Ways to Start Writing a Song. It's a great companion guide with what we're talking about this week and this episode, as well as what we talked about in the last episode. Also, be sure to check out last episode. If the, if you're this is your first one, be sure to check out last episode because this is sort of part two. Now, you don't have to listen to last episode first. Either order is perfectly fine. Um, but just note that this is a part two. Last time we talked about how to figure out where to go thematically with your songwriting because we can all tend to start utilizing the same themes over and over again, right? You could just write love songs over and over again or anti-the-man love songs over and over and over again looking at you punk music. Um, or or you might um, find yourself doing, you know, I, I love you and you left me songs over and over again. But regardless, we want to expand our horizons a little bit thematically, so we talked about how to do that in the last episode. So this episode is the follow-up, because if we think about songs in a, so maybe a little reductionist, but largely songs come down to two things, really, the theme and the sound. And ultimately, they work together, but, you know, the theme is captured in, well, what is the song about? So the lyrical content. And then the sound is just everything else, right? Whether it's your melodies or your instrumentation, your arrangement, uh, that's where the sound comes from. So ultimately a, so a song and ultimately an artist's identity tends to come predominantly from the combination of themes and sounds. So last episode was themes. This one is sounds. Great companion guide is my 10 different ways to start writing a song. Some of the things I talk about in that guide go hand in hand with what we're talking about in these episodes. You know, there are things that are going to be in that guide that aren't in these episodes. There'll be things in these episodes that isn't in the guide. So be sure to check that out. It's a songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Easy to remember. Whether you're new to songwriting or a seasoned vet, there will be something in there for you because it will help if you really need to know, like, hey, I want to write my first song. Where do I start? But it also will help you in your, hopefully, your quest to not stay in the same small creative box. And we all can learn to expand our horizons a little bit when it comes to trying different ways to start songs, because that is a great way to mix up our sound a little bit. You might be shocked at the difference between just, you know, if you always start your song with acoustic guitar and a strumming pattern, just you changing up your main instrument that you use, like going to a piano instead, or if you take out that old dusty flute that you used to play in high school and you kind of come up with a riff on that, like you'd be shocked what kind of different stuff you'll come up with. Um, much less, you know, maybe just singing in the shower, starting with melody or starting with a theme first, a little nod to last week, uh, where you maybe even do what we talked about last week and reverse engineer a theme, right? You come up with a song title that you're like, this is a cool song title. I'd want to listen to a song with this song title. I wonder what it's about. And then you figure out what would this song title 
be talking about? What what would the theme of this song actually be? And then you kind of reverse engineer that theme. Instead of starting with a theme and then writing a song, you actually come up with a cool title and figure out what the theme would be from that title. For more on that, check out last episode if you missed it. Songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Check it out. And I just mentioned main instrument. So that's actually what we're going to start with talking about here. We've certainly talked about it before, but it's super easy and underrated. So we're going to talk about it here. A great way to change up your sound to figure out a new direction to go with your sound is to simply change up the main instrument. So what do I mean by main instrument? Well, it's it can be nebulous. Sometimes it's very clear, but it's usually some combination of it's either the instrument you wrote the song with. It's likely in a recording would be the instrument that plays from beginning to end, right? A lot of instruments come and go, right? Like there's tons of instruments in most courses, but usually like the first verse. And if there's a third verse, it might be down to just like one instrument in the singer. Whatever that instrument is, likely would be the main instrument. Also, if there's a single instrument you play, that almost definitely is the main instrument of the song if you wrote it. Probably. Um, so easy examples, early Coldplay songs, whether we're talking about yellow or clocks or whatever, those would all be with piano as the main instrument, right? It plays from beginning to end. It's the only instrument that never goes away. It feels like it's at the center of the mix. You never can't hear the piano. Clearly the main instrument. Whereas artists like the Goo Goo Dolls, usually the open-tuned, usually acoustic guitar, is specifically the main instrument. Um, so in both cases, the main songwriter's main instrument happens to be the main instrument of most of their songs, which shouldn't be surprising. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about the main instrument. Another way to look at it is you can see it as the instrument that if you played a song solo and you could pick only one instrument to be playing with you, whether you can play it or not, um, what would that instrument be? Right. So if you think, okay, I, I'm only allowed to, to have one instrument played as a backdrop to me performing this song, what would be most true to the song? If the answer is acoustic guitar, that's probably your main instrument. If the answer is piano, that's probably your main instrument. If the answer is electric guitar, that's probably your main instrument. So first thing is literally just changing up what you utilize as the main instrument. So if you play a little bit of piano, but you're not much of a pianist, but you're a really good guitarist, you might just literally always songwrite with the guitar and always have your songs have the main instrument as the guitar. And if you are a much stronger guitarist, and you like guitar more than you like piano, it makes sense for most of your songs to have guitar as the main instrument. There's nothing wrong with that. But a great way for you to just push yourself sonically a little bit outside your box is if you go over to the piano and decide, no, I am going to write a song where the main instrument is the piano instead. And it doesn't matter if it's something as simple as block chords or if the piano kind of just is the main, you know, riff that maybe happens in between vocal lines or really just is the instrument that takes over verses compared to normally you'd have acoustic guitar there. It doesn't matter how simple the part is. Just doing something like that can go a super long way. If you've been around for a bit, you probably know that my favorite artist is Vertical Horizon. I certainly mention it 
not not often. Um, so as a person who's very much piano first, it may surprise you if you don't know who Vertical Horizon is, uh, that they are ex- the other way. I mean, there's like no pianos in any of their songs until like album number five. And and even then, it's rare. It's non-traditional, not counting their newest album, which was an experiment and used keyboards and was, we're not going to count that for a second. But the Vertical Horizon sound that I love and know is actually like guitar on guitar on guitar. I mean, even to the point that even for things that would traditionally be synth parts, he actually u- does guitars instead, just with like lots of reverbs and stuff, which I actually think is really cool. But when they did actually have a song that had a, predominant piano part, it was extremely notable and felt like, oh, wow, this is different, even though there's nothing different about a piano being a main part, but it was different for Vertical Horizon. So because of that, that was a great way for them to very simply just adjust the sound. And again, it still was very much a Vertical Horizon song. The whole rest of the song felt like a Vertical Horizon song, right? It wasn't this like, oh my goodness, they're in a totally different genre now. I don't even know this artist anymore. But it was just a simple, simple way to change it up a little bit. You know, if, if it was another Five for Fighting song or a Coldplay song that pre, that featured the piano, nobody would be surprised, right? You'd just be like, yeah, okay, this is what I figured. This is what I signed up for. Um, but because Vertical Horizon was is so guitar heavy, it felt notable. So you can do the same thing with your songwriting, right? Whatever your main thing is that you go to over and over and over again, just change up the main instrument. Easy way to just adjust your sound. And if you don't play a second instrument, you still can pull this off just by thinking about, well, okay, what? how, how do I usually play my instrument? So, you know, for example, let's say you always do finger-picking acoustic guitar. There's multiple ways that you can change that up. One, you can just switch to electric guitar. And then two, you can change up the way that you're playing. Instead of doing finger-picking, you could do strumming, or you could do, like, strumming with added stuff like, you know, hammer-ons and slides and things like that. So just changing up the way you play your instrument can go a long way. If you're a pianist, right, maybe you almost never use block chords because you are you think you're too good to do block chords or something, which I understand. Sometimes, sometimes I have to force myself to be like, no, 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 block chords is actually the right call for this song because I'm too busy, like my, my ego might get in the way. And I'm like, well, you should at least do arpeggiated parts or something. Um, so, you know, so with a piano, you can change it up just by, you know, if you don't usually do block chords, you can do block chords. If normally you always do block chords, you can do an arpeggiated part instead. If normally your left hand part is usually something that just is playing the one of the chord you're playing. So if you're playing a C major chord, you're always doing C in the bass. And then if you're doing a G major chord, there's G in the bass. Instead, decide, you know what, I'm going to make my left hand do something that's sort of like its own bass line. Or, you know, you come up with a riff that's not exactly an arpeggiated chord it's kind of a mix between some arpeggiated concepts, but also you have some melodic concepts in there. Just by doing that can be, again, a significant changeup that can help push your sound past and outside of the box that you currently are in. Another thing to do, which is similar but not the same, is change up your featured instrument. So 
the, the example that immediately comes to mind when I when I talk about featured instrument versus a main instrument is the flute in My Heart Will Go On. In My Heart Go Will Go On, I would not consider the flute the main instrument because if it was just Celine Dion singing with that flute, like the flute comes in and out, right? It's really just playing a motif over and over and it adds to the regular song too, but it's not... It's not like a guitar or piano that gives you the chords and the backdrop of like here here is the harmony of the song to support the vocalist, right? Because a flute can only play one note at a time just like a vocalist can. So it's not really the main instrument because if Celine Dion were to do it acoustically and only have one in- instrumentalist to support her, she would not pick the flute. Like I guarantee that. It would be a, a, an acoustic guitar or a piano or something. So that's how you know it's a featured instrument, not not a main instrument. But um, that song would lose so much of its identity. Like, can you even imagine that song without the flute part? It like it, like it wouldn't even. It would lose all. And I don't care if you don't like the song, right? If you're thinking Joseph, you're losing your man card here. You're talking about Celine Dion. My heart will go on. What's going on? Look, we all know the song, and also whether you like Titanic or not. Let's be honest. That song and that key change, if you don't get goosebumps, there's something wrong with you. I'm I'm just saying. So um, that instrument is so heavily featured in that song that the song just wouldn't be that song without it. Like it's an integral part of the identity of that song is that flute part. So changing up just your featured instrument can be a great, way to do something different than the typical backdrop of your average songwriter's song, which is usually, you know, piano, guitar, bass, and drums, right? So like those are almost the default instruments. If you have a song and you record a song and you're not doing EDM or pop music, it is almost guaranteed that you have all of those instruments. And even for pop music, usually there's still a, a real bass I, I think some, well, I don't know. I think I take that back. But um, if you're doing something very singer songwritery or you're in a rock band or whatever, almost definitely every one of your songs has guitar, bass, and drums. And if you have a pianist, it will usually have piano. If you don't have a pianist, then it might just be those those other three. So a great way to just do something different is simply leveraging a different instrument. And it can be doing a tiny part, right? Like, the, I'm, again, I'm pretty sure the flute part plays throughout My Heart Will Go On. I, I can't really totally hear the song in my head. I don't know it that well. But um, the main part you need it for, right, is that little intro riff that just tells you, oh, My Heart Will Go On. That's the song that's playing. That And, and that, you know, part, I think, plays after every chorus or something like that. That's the part you really need it for. So it, it could disappear the rest of the song and it wouldn't even really matter that much. And we can do the same thing, right? So maybe you played flute in high school or oboe or viola or violin. Take that instrument out, dust it off because you can utilize that as a featured instrument where you just have, you know, you you get that flute part and you figure out a cool little riff or a little melodic motif to build your song off of. Or to add to a song, right? You already have a song, 
but it's yet another song that just starts with strummed acoustic guitar. You're like, man, I just I want to add some breath of fresh air to it. Great way to do it. Just dust out, just dust off some old instrument that you or somebody in your band, if you have a band or somebody else you know, uh, an instrument they play that is outside of that typical piano, guitar, bass, and drums. You know, for example, maybe an organ part, which is really easy because if you're recording your music, you know, you can get like a free, decent sounding organ VST. So you can just use your keyboard and just play an organ part instead. Uh, bagpipes, there's free bagpipe sounds out there. Also, you can check out, there's like videos online that teach you how to like make an electric electric guitar sound sort of like a bagpipe. Uh, fun fact, if you've seen Dune, which if you haven't, you should check it out. It's awesome. And not just because it's, I mean, it's just awesome. Yeah. So uh, th- there's a song in there. There's a piece in there that heavily utilizes bagpipes. But the introductory part of the song actually is just a guitar that's made to sound and played to sound an awful lot like bagpipes. And then a whole like like a hundred bagpipes comes in and adds support to it and it's super epic and awesome. But, um, you know, harmonica, accordion, synths, right? That's another easy one. If you have a keyboard, you don't even need a keyboard. You can literally just program it without a keyboard, a synth part. You know, ch- doing backwards guitar or even just adding a significant effect to your guitar, right? It's an, it's again, an example of you really don't even need to change your instrument, right? I'm not telling you to go out and learn violin, even though you've only played piano your whole life, whether you play piano or guitar. And I am going to assume one of those for the moment, or, or even bass, we'll throw bass in there simply by changing the effects on it in a significant way. You can create alternate parts, right? Having playing a guitar part and then shifting it backwards radically changes the sound. Or, you know, significantly layering it with certain effects can allow it to have a synth-like feel. With with keyboard especially, I mean, my goodness, because of MIDI and recording, you, you can make it sound like any instrument you want. Like 90% of the tracks I record are technically with the keyboard, right? But, ha- you know, half of them end up being an organ part and then a violin part and a viola part and a cello part. Uh, you know, brass parts, uh, but I played it with a keyboard. So these days, and a lot of them can be free too. There's lots of great free stuff out there if you look. So changing up your featured instrument. And even, let's say you have a five-song EP. Having just one song where you decide that there's going to be a featured instrument in there that is a departure for us, right? Maybe it's an organ, Maybe it's you get your buddy who plays the oboe to come in and do an oboe part. Whatever it is, one song can make a big difference. I'm not telling you like, hey, every single song now, add this feature. No, just that's a great way to have one song that's like, oh, okay, this is this is interesting. This is different. Next, number three, arrangement style. So if you have layers of electric guitars that beef up your chorus. That sounds very different than just two big sounding guitars that beef up your chorus, which sounds very different from utilizing synths and strings to beef up your chorus. So when I say that, hopefully that's obvious to you, right? There's a big difference between 
two guitars, two electric guitars probably that are beefing up your chorus versus like layers and layers and layers of guitars. Some are playing power chords, some are playing open chords, some are playing different versions of power chords and some are doing arpeggios and then one or two of them are doing lead parts and they all come together to create this huge wall of guitar sound versus, you know, like more an EDM thing where you're going to predominantly have synths be filling in and making that chorus big, right? As, especially if you come from a more rock background, it can be easy to take for granted like, oh, the way you make a song bigger is electric guitars in the chorus, right? Uh, and that is a great default. But this is something, again, that we can change up. Just going from a string quartet to utilizing brass instruments instead can make a subtle and yet significant difference. Also, how you arrange your songs from a standpoint of when instruments come in and go can go a long way. So, for example, for myself, I'll pick on me for a second. I very rarely have a small first course. What I mean by that is usually, usually if I'm playing a chorus, especially we're talking about the first one here, it explodes. It's very rare where I have that chorus that like basically you have a small verse and that first chorus is like slightly bigger. And then the second verse is actually bigger than that first chorus. And then the first time you really hit the chorus in all its glory is the second time you get to the chorus. Which is a pretty common thing to do in songwriting. It's certainly not rare by any means. But I just rarely go that direction. So right now, I'm actually writing a song explicitly with in mind that I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm going to keep the first chorus small. Now, there's several reasons that go into this. One is it's like, man, I don't do this enough. Second is it does seem to fit well with the song. And third is I like the piano part so much in the chorus that I don't want it to be buried beneath guitars every single time. Um so just, you know, deciding when instruments come in and out can be a great way to subtly change up your sound a little bit and go a little bit outside your box. Because it can be so easy to sort of arrange our songs the same way every time, right? I'll pick on myself again. My The temptation for me is every song starts small and it's me singing with just a piano and then the first chorus absolutely explodes, it melts your face, and tons and tons of layers of guitars, and also like a string quartet, and you know, all the all the stuff to beef it up, and make it big and epic. Like that, that's that's my go-to, is that sort of thing. And it's so easy to just kind of do that same thing again to and to take for granted, like, yeah, of course I'll have a string quartet. And yeah, of course I'll have you know, eight guitars and two of them are going to be doing power chords and two of them are going to be doing arpeggios and all that kind of stuff. It's easy to fall into that trap. But a great way to, without significantly changing your sound or anything, to change it up is simply by changing up your arrangement style in minor ways. So just as a sort of example of this, the EP that um, I need to just record vocals and get over myself and call it a day uh, for is kind of the first time that I really started to utilize synths in the sense of uh, how I break down my arrangements now is I have 
what I call the band part, right? So that's all your traditional band instruments. If we were to play this live with a band, these are the instruments that would be played generally, right? So that's your guitars, your piano, your, your bass, your drums. That's band. Then I have orchestra, which I split into two parts. I have what I call acoustic orchestra, which is your traditional type orchestra parts. So mostly strings. Um, but I also throw things in there that are not necessarily things you expect to have in an orchestra, but are still quote unquote acoustic, like organ sounds. For, for instance, I put in the acoustic orchestra. And then I have what I call digital orchestra. This is where I use bells, arpeggiators, and other synths. And this is really the first time I did this where I, I kind of explicitly had a like, okay, I'm going to have the band part, which is going to have my layers of guitars and all that. I'm going to have the orchestra part, the organic orchestra or acoustic orchestra part. That's the strings that I like to, to add something to the song. But to give it sort of a modern sheen to it without it getting at all EDM, because I don't want to go in EDM pop direction at all. But I want to give it a little bit of modern twist and not just all like, oh, it's all electric guitars and piano and acoustic guitar and strings and like I want a little bit of like modern to it. So that's what I utilize the digital orchestra for. And so just having some bells, arpeggiators and other synths that are filling in the mix and 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 are are adding to the like bigness of a chorus actually is something that is subtle but in my opinion actually goes a long way to creating the sound of that EP. And then in the second EP that I'm like halfway done recording already, even though I haven't released the first one because I suck at finishing things, um, is uh, I'm using an organ, a specific type of organ that literally is just beefing up the bass part. So I'm like layering the bass with an organ part because it just it just adds this. I love the like regalness of organs. I think organs are super underrated. We won't go too far into this, but anyway, just having that organ to beef up the bass part is a thing that, again, is subtle and yet significant. It really adds an extra sound that that just, like, if you listen to the second EP after the first EP, you might not immediately be like, oh, well, this is different because X, Y, or Z. It just will sound like, yeah, this is a different EP. You probably wouldn't be able to put your finger on it, but that's why it sounds a little bit different. Another thing I'm doing in that one is I'm utilizing more brass. I basically just use strings when it came to the acoustic orchestra parts for the first EP. But in the second EP, I'm really introducing some brass sounds, which again is another subtle and yet significant. And then in the third EP, yes, I'm already working on a third EP, even though I haven't released the first one. I know it's sad and pathetic. I get it. Um, you are not wrong to think that. Um, I actually have a song that utilizes two clavinet parts to open a song, which was inspired by Stevie Wonder's Superstition. Um, and then I'm planning to utilize some bagpipe-like sounds in that one, partially because of the aforementioned Dune soundtrack that I love so much. Also, fun fact, the idea for Oregon came from my love of, uh, again, Hans Zimmer, because um, Hans Zimmer did Dune, but uh, for Interstellar, where he did a masterful job with the organ. So, Another way to push your sound in a slightly different direction is just changing up your arrangement style. 
and that can include what, what instruments you use and how you use your instruments. Lastly, genre and modes. We're going to throw these two together. So you can get inspiration from different genres without actually sounding like those genres. So I've given this example before, but something I really started doing, especially in this aforementioned second EP that I'm working on, is stylistically, I did some electric guitar parts that are actually more like some post-grunge Breaking Benjamin style electric guitar parts, where I have almost like riffs that are with the lowest guitar string, and it's, you know, it's with my baritone guitar, so it's down, I have it tuned down to drop B. Um but it's in a singer-songwriter way. So it, it, I'm kind of utilizing the the way that a Breaking Benjamin would record guitars, but, but, but it's not becoming a Breaking Benjamin song. It's very much a still piano-based singer-songwriter song. Or, you know, you could draw some inspiration from some folk instrumentation, right? Or, or maybe you've been listening, you, maybe you think to yourself, and this has been me recently, where it's like, man, I, I really like the Celtic vibe. I've really learned to appreciate the bagpipe sound. I've really learned to appreciate uh, just just there's something about the Celtic vibe that just does it for me. Um, or you know maybe you've been listening to a lot of jazz. Jazz is something that that it's like cranberries, right? Finds itself in everything. You know, jazz inspire inspi- seems to inspire so so much. Um, but regardless, right? Like you you can gain some influences from other genres without writing a song that sounds like is that genre. Uh, I'll bring up Vertical Horizon again. They they had a song, um, Best I Ever Had, that actually ended up being covered by a country artist. But the song is not a country song, but they utilized a steel guitar in it, which is one of those things. If you're into country, you think, yeah, so what? Like that's, every song has steel guitar. Yeah, you think that because you're into country. But like I that that is literally to this day I think the only song certainly the only song I've heard that features it, uh, but it's the only song I've heard that's not a country song that heavily features a steel guitar. But it works. It works great. And it it you know it, again, you would be surprised by even genres maybe you don't like. For instance, I'm not a big country fan at all. And yet, I love that influence, that country influence on that song. That works for me. So even if you don't like a certain genre, getting some influence from a genre other than the one that you're writing in can be a great way to infuse your sound with a little something, something different. Beyond that, also just changing up keys or modes, right? This may be the most obvious thing we talk about here, but I think it merits saying. If you write all your songs in major keys, just write a song in minor, right? That can go such a long way. Again, if you're an artist that you have a whole album and the whole thing is major keys, if you have just one song in a minor key, it will sound like a significant departure. Even if everything else you do in that song is very you, right? You arrange it the same way, your instrumentation choices are the same. Everything's the same. Minor key, huge difference. And then from there, you know, you can just utilize modes. I had episodes a little while back about modes. So if you want to dive deep into what modes are and how to use them, check those out. We don't have time for that here. But 
you know, just utilizing modes where maybe you write a lot of rock music in a traditional minor key or Aeolian mode. Uh, just utilizing Phrygian to get that extra exotic, really dark sound will feel like a significant departure. And again, just to cl- maybe I shouldn't say significant departure. It's one of those like th- there's there's this fine line, right? Because what you want is to have a sound as an artist and and thinking practically, what you really want, right, is by EP5 or album 5, you want the same people who liked EP or album 1 to like EP or album 5, right? So you don't want it to, you don't want to be playing in a totally different genre, right? You don't want to be somebody who like people signed up for a rock band. At some point it became Southern rock and now you're just doing country music, right? Because now all your, like, it, it just doesn't work. Just don't, don't do that. So that's not what I'm saying. We're talking about evolving a sound in a way that it's it's subtle. It's enough so that people wouldn't say, oh, all their songs sound the same. And yet you still have a distinctive sound that you're working within that you're just making a little adjustments on to keep it still fresh while still being you. Uh, so keys or modes. And even just utilizing some modal concepts like write a song and decide I'm going to use one borrowed chord because it's pretty common as a songwriter to literally never use borrowed chords. I mean, most, most songs don't use borrowed chords. They're just straight up in like a major key and that's totally fine. Right. Or maybe a minor key, but it can go a long way. If you just decide, you know what? I am going to use a minor four chord, which is a borrowed chord in my major key song. And right there, you're going to have something fresh that's added to your sound. And last thing, because we're just talking about all different sounds, I'm trying to hit you with as many different ideas as possible. I don't expect you to remember all these. Just hopefully if like three or four of the things we mentioned spark something, uh, that will, <laughs> will go a long way. So recording random sounds and then utilizing them to start a song. I've talked before about this, but just to go over again real quick. There's one song I literally built off of. I recorded a ceiling fan. I slowed it way down so that instead of you know, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. It was like, whoosh, whoosh. Yes, I just did that on a podcast. It's fine. But anyway, um, so it was slowed down so that it was, it was, you know, it doesn't sound like a fan so much anymore. Uh, and then pitch shifted it down like two octaves. And that I used as like a synth pad underneath the song. Um, you know, other things you can do, I've talked about backwards guitar before, right? But just another thing, I took a grandfather clock, one like chime or whatever you call, like one ring, I don't know, I can't think of the word at the moment, but, you know, one dong or whatever from the grandfather clock, I slowed it down, pitched it down so that instead of sounding like a grandfather clock, it sounded more like, uh, you know, the the eerie like, clock tower in an old town or something uh just gives it a more epic sound and then reversed it so the opening of the song is actually is actually you know from nothing from no volume the the growing of that sound sort of that clock tower type sound backwards and then boom hits you with electric guitars so just just like recording a random sound and then doing something to it, or maybe not even doing something to it, 
can be something that can go a long way to add a little something, something to your music. Easy way to start with that, by the way, is pitch shifting. So take a recording and then pitch shifting and time time shifting, right? So you're either speeding it up, slowing it down, pitching it up, or pitching it down. That can go a long way. You'd be shocked at just like reversing something and then pitch shifting it up a little bit, how the sound becomes unrecognizable very quickly. Or even better, it's in that weird middle ground where like, let's say you take a dog bark and you reverse it and then pitch shift it down. It probably would be something where somebody wouldn't be like, oh, that's a dog bark that's pitched down and backwards. But it might vaguely remind them of a dog and they can't quite figure out why, uh, which is usually the best of all worlds. So anyway, hopefully this was helpful to you. I know I threw a lot at you here. There's so many ways to sort of, you know, where to where to go next with your sound. There's, there's so many ways. I mean, we, we could probably do like 10 podcasts just on this. But um, don't want this to go too long, so we're going to cut it there. Again, hopefully this was helpful to you. If it was, something else you'll find helpful is my free guide, 10 Ways to Start Writing a Song, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. If you listen to this podcast episode and last podcast episode and check out that free guide, I don't care how much of a songwriting rut you were in before. I, I would be shocked, <laughs> shocked if that if those three things don't get you out of that rut. And if you've started to maybe fall in the trap of your song starting to sound the same, between those three things, man, you you probably have years worth of of ways to sort of adjust your sound, adjust your themes, and all that to keep it fresh. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. And I will talk to you in the next one.